to talk to you about the other versions of Futari, because especially 1.01. So for the people out here who aren't as familiar with Futari, can you explain the three different versions and kind of what makes them different from each other? Well, well there's more than three. There's also like Black Label, Black Label another version. Right, right. I just meant of the arcade build or whatever. 1.01 is a DLC, right? Yeah, it's it's not an arcade release. <laughs> it's not. And I always think it is because the naming convention to me suggests that it is, but it isn't. So, Well, it, it was released at a, at a cave Matsu. I think going by the date on the uh, on the screen, it was made in September 2007. While Black Label was December 2007. Okay. So I guess it was the third version of Futari that was released besides uh, 1.01 and 1.5. That was the third one. And after 1.01, they kind of moved on to Black Label. Oh, okay. So it was made before Black Label then. Yeah. I didn't know that. Okay, so yeah, let's talk about... We can throw Black Label in there as well. So let's talk about the different versions of Futari and what makes them different and unique. Yeah. So the first one is 1.0, right? Yeah, 1.0. That was the first release. And uh, you can still kind of find some old old reviews written by EOJ where he talks about that. He wasn't really all that into it. And, uh, yeah, it, it did not have uh, ultra accessible at first. He had to, like, enter some sort of weird code. Interesting. And, uh, the ultra that it did have was a little bit different from the one in 1.01. Uh, you had the same hitbox as, as Maniac Mode, I think. And uh, also the, the, the stage counter would, would max out at 9,999, just like original mode. It didn't have that thing where, like, it just keep going forever. Like in uh, 1.5 Ultra or, or 1.01, and uh, and like 1.5, that's the version that's that's kind of most famous. That's that's what everybody loves. Yeah, yeah. Is that the version in most arcades? If you went to an arcade in Japan, would it be 1.5? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that 1.5 introduced some changes over a 1.0. Like uh, that was the version that added in that stage two boss mill. Because in, in 1.0 and 1.01, like, those orbs that you destroy at the boss spawns, like, they do not spawn gems. Hmm. But, uh, yeah, 1.5, it added in that boss milk. And, uh, yeah, that boss milk, like, that's also there in, in, in Maniac now. The original Maniac didn't have the milk either, but it's there in 1.5. Yeah, 1.01, then, it, uh, it's, it's kind of designed to be similar to 1.0, but a little bit fixed up. Like, there was this, this bug with the stage 4 boss in uh, 1.0 where, like, it had this attack that was, un- that was impossible to dodge because of, like, a hitbox glitch, and they fixed that. Then with the hitbox in, in Ultra, like, they made it ridiculously small, like like one pixel. Right. Yeah, that, that totally changes the, uh, the, the style of the game. It's like you can do all these dodges that you can't do with that larger hitbox, so it encourages really flashy and risky play there. That's actually kind of what's what's made me uh, keep coming back to the game because there not really any of our games that are quite like that. A lot of that sort of play. As I understand too, isn't one point zero one just base difficulty wise much more difficult to clear than one point five? I want to say it's much more difficult. Okay. Like for sure, uh, the Larsa fight's harder because the bombs don't do as much damage, so it becomes a, a lot longer. Got to dodge more stuff. And yeah, stage stage five in 1.01. It, it's based off the version in, in 1.0, so the patterns are, are are a lot more difficult. It's, it's longer as well. 
But uh, on the flip side, stage two is a little bit easier for survival because the, the icicles don't have as much HP. Mm. Yeah, and then stage three, that's, that's, that's harder as well, though, since uh, the big enemies, enemies that like spawn those rocks and like come down the screen, like they, they don't give you any bullet cancel, like 1.5. So you kind of have to like plan, route that out, how you're going to like dodge after those enemies die. But yeah, on the whole, I'd say like uh, clearing a 1.01 with Reiko, it's uh, it might be a little bit a little bit harder than a 1.5, but I don't think it's by all that much. Since uh, with uh, 1.1.5, you know Reiko, like she's got stage two to worry about. That's just total hell with her for, with those icicles. So right. it sort of balances right. it, it there a little bit. Interesting. What about for the the other character? Does it make a is there a big difficulty difference there? between 1.0 and 1.5? In terms of big difficulty differences, I think the only really huge difference is with Abnormal Palm, you know? Yeah. With Abnormal Palm in 1.5, he's by far the easiest character to clear with. But then in uh, 1.01, he, he's by far the hardest. <laughs> Just so weak and so slow, it, it's really hard to like do stuff like, like bullet hurry with him because of his slow speed. Like, yeah. He just doesn't want to be where he wants to be on time. When I try and compare to a Reiko and try using my, my routes there, it's a lot more difficult just like do what I want to do in terms of movement. And then like his shot, it, it's it's really buggy. You know, it's those stone throwers and, and stage three that I was talking about before. Yes. Just playing can't kill them on time, really. They take forever to kill. And uh, yeah, that, that definitely means you have to do some more risky dodges. And there's another part like towards the second half where it feels like you just need a bomb, really. And uh then with stage five, uh, that's where it really gets ridiculous because you know the, the, those turtles there, the, those big uh, those big enemies that kind of like uh, about those orbs that like fill a stream of bullets. You know what I'm talking about here? Yes. Yeah, he has a really hard time killing those guys because the orbs that they spawn. I don't know why, but like they totally like like block his shot, and uh, yeah, he he just can't kill them on time, and that's a huge source of difficulty. Also, his shot, like, that's a, it's a big handicap as well. Because, like, with Reiko, like, you got a wide shot there. You can kill all these enemies that just, like, all these all these popcorn enemies that, like, fire at you. That, like, you don't have to worry about in 1.5. Because, I don't know why, but they, in 1.01, these popcorn enemies on the ground, a lot of them will fire at you. But, like, in 1.5, they said they changed it so they, like, they're just kind of there to kill. They didn't really fire at you. So, that kind of changed up the routing a lot in 1.01. And uh, it's not too big a deal with Reiko because she has a wide shot to make killing him easy. But when you're playing Palm, it, it becomes a huge deal that you can't kill him. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Yeah, so like that's another thing to worry about with, with, with uh, Palm there. And then you have to like also do the, uh, the Larsa fight. And it's, it's every bit as hard as doing it with, with Reiko as well. So yeah, it makes for a really hard time overall <laughs> clearing the game with FM Marble Palm. I could definitely imagine. Now that you kind of figured out the counter stop in 1.5, which version do you like better? Do you like 1.01 or 1.5 better as a player? I actually don't know. Like, I haven't really played 1.5 seriously beyond the counter stop since like 2014. It's, it's been a long while. Right. And I'm really interested in coming back and kind of seeing uh, how I dig the game. But right now, I'm having a lot of fun just playing 1.01. Yeah, I remember in your Stunfest interview, you mentioned how much you enjoyed the mode. So, And it does seem really cool, at least from a viewer perspective. 
to watch, yeah. you know, with the tiny hitbox and the insane patterns the game throws at you. Yeah, it really makes it feel good. Like, you can, you can pull off these crazy dodges. I do want to learn more about your Stunfest experience as well. So how did that come about? I know I'm sure Plasma reached out to you. So what was your, I guess, preparation like for Stunfest? Well, yeah, Plasma, he reached out to me. And I was actually like the first guy he reached out to because uh, he really wanted to have like uh, Futari Ultra at Stunfest for a long time. And uh, I guess he figured that, that this was the time to do it because we were getting some Western players. Yeah, he, he contacted me at first. He, he actually like told me like, like I was getting like fast ticket there. He was asking me before anyone else. I had priority over anybody, and that was just a huge honor. Like I didn't think I didn't feel like I deserved that sort of treatment. And uh, yeah, at first I was really nervous about it. I wasn't really sure. And uh, we were thinking, hey, maybe how about we get some kind of race going with SMC, but. Uh, because, like, I, I really did not think that I deserved to be on playing uh, on that same stage as those Japanese super players. He thought it was a great idea, and uh, SMC, like, he was nervous as well. I guess he was kind of going for the same, he had the same mental blocks I did. And, uh, yeah, he turned it down, so, yeah, it was just me. And, uh, yeah, I, I didn't really want to, like, disappoint Plasmo, so I just went ahead with it. So what were you most nervous about? Were you most nervous about traveling out there and doing that? Or were you more nervous about, like, the run itself? Yeah, the run. I've been to Paris before with my girlfriend. Uh, yeah, I wasn't really a big into Paris. But, uh, yeah, I didn't really have any mental blocks about just traveling there. But, yeah, the run. I mean, with, with GDQ, I'm still really nervous about the run, actually. Sure, definitely. The thing with Ultra, like even on every extends uh, every 70 million, 80 million, there are so many places where the, where the game can just like screw you over with RNG or, or you could just kind of graze a bowl of ice and die. And uh, yeah, that leads to some chain deaths. Yes. Because, yeah, like when you die, it really like changes the bullet pattern for some reason. There's some kind of bug in there where like it sort of like liches out the patterns for a little bit until like you, you survive a little bit. So, yeah, it's very easy to chain die in the game. Ugh, that's the worst. That also cuts into your stage counter, so you end up not being able to score as much. And before you know it, you're just going to continue. At like, stage, at like the third stage, second stage. And that was what I was scared about. Continuing, having to continue at the, first, at the second stage or third stage. Yeah. Yeah, and especially since SMC described to me how brutal stage two is and all that. I was definitely nervous for you. What's interesting is uh, after Stunfest, I talked to Plasmo, you know, about the event, and we talked about everyone's demonstrations and runs. And the kind of general thing I was talking about is shmup demonstrations are, by their nature, the most insane form of demonstration out there. Because unlike speed runs and stuff, where a minor mistake may lose you a little bit of timer here or there, in a shmup, especially you know at the level you're playing, a minor mistake, couple seconds, a couple milliseconds, wrong reaction. Your ship explodes. It's not like a little bit of time lost. So it's just the most, it seems like the most brutal form of demonstration of a video game out there. I don't know if it's the most brutal. There, there's a lot of older games as well that people speedrun like Super Mario Brothers, like where you can also die as well there. Yeah, it's definitely tough. It's definitely tense. Yeah. With getting ready for Stunfest, what was your practice routine like? Were you doing anything to try and maybe uh, make it more demonstration, more safe? 
or you just kind of do your usual thing? Well, I was demoing the two different versions at Stunfest. Like at first, it was just going to be like a 1.5 demonstration, but uh, then like I do my practice runs for that, and uh, I honestly like wasn't really happy with how they were. T- I was doing the same counter stop strategies, but found I was like just like dying a lot. And uh, I was only ended up with like two billion. So I felt like people deserve to see something a little bit better game that I was, I was better at because at this point I am better at 1.01 dime at 1.5. So, but uh, I said that mental block, like maybe this was be a little bit too hard to demo. And like I was talking with Yom, he's the other guy putting the event together. And like he actually suggested to me on his own, like how about like do one run for 1.5, one run for 1.1. So I just kind of agreed to that. And yeah, from like, this was like, I think just like a few weeks before the event. So, yeah, I started, like, practicing, doing a few extends every uh, 70 million runs on 1.01, in addition to, a, like, 1.5. And, uh, yeah, I was able to clear it. Which were you more nervous about, the 1.5 demonstration or the 1.01? 1.5, just because, like, that was the earlier run. Right. I figured that I did not want my first run to be, like, totally botched up. That's, that might like, you know, jinx the second run. Sure. So it was yeah. important just kind of like you get a good first run there going for me. Yeah, and I remember watching both runs, and uh, yeah, both of them were definitely nail biters. Was it your 1.5 run that in stage two you ran into some trouble? It was both runs, I think. What were you thinking around that point in the run where you're like, oh shit, it's over? Or did you feel like you could still clutch it out? Yeah, I thought it was going to be over. I did not expect to really be able to clutch it out. I, I, I treat every little bit of progress I made there as a lesson. What was the point during the run where you thought, okay, maybe it's still possible. Maybe I could still get this clear. How far did you have to go before you felt that way? The end. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, they both came down to the wire. Yeah, you never really know with Ultra. That, you know, even that TLB, it can, it can screw you over. Yeah, absolutely. So did you do, when you were practicing for the event, did you focus on any specific sections of the game or are you just running credits or how are you approaching that? I was just running credits, really. Okay. Like when I'm going for PB, I do a lot of practice. But like with, with, uh, with Stunfest, I wasn't like really training. Them. So I kind of wanted to like simulate that environment to like get me used to just kind of playing nervous as hell. Yeah, I think that's a really good approach. So when you're practicing, let's say you had a, a credit that was just going out of control. Were you trying to practicing salvaging those credits and trying to clear them even if you had a really bad early game or something like that? Yeah, definitely. Like, like even with uh, GDQ as well, like I'm having point moments where, where it feels like I'm not going to clear, then I end up clearing. Nice. Yeah, I think that's a good way of doing it because if you just practiced you know, the ideal scenarios each time, for instance, when I was doing my two all, it came as close down to the wire as possible. I I ended it with no extends and no bombs. And I was thinking about it. I talked about it a bit in my commentary. And I was saying that I feel like the reason why I did so well on the Hibachi fight is because I was so low on resources that I had no choice other than to play well. I didn't have any like hangups where I could think about, oh, crap, I can't. Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense to you at all? Yeah. Is that kind of how you played during your demonstrations? I remember both runs like uh, I was hemorrhaging lives in stage three. 
So both runs, I just kind of felt, man, I can't just like give up here. Just got to keep going. Yeah, that's that was really cool. You pulled both the runs out. I know watching it live, everyone was like, oh shit. <laughs> Round stage three each time. Yeah. So another thing I noticed, I actually didn't realize until I saw you at Stunfest, is that you still play on the 360 pad. And that surprised me a little bit. Yeah, I do. I think it wasn't too long before your run, I was talking about controllers. People were asking me for advice on controllers and such. And I was like, Jamers plays on the Saturn pad. That's a good option. The PS4 pad, I know that one's pretty good. And then I was telling people, do not play on the 360 pad because that D-pad is awful. And then I see you at Stunfest with the 360 pad. And so I was definitely impressed. So I had to ask you, have you ever considered other controllers for the 360? Or do you just really like that pad? That pad I was using was, was not, not the one that I used at home. It, what happened at Stunfest was like my luggage and how all, all, my, all my 360 equipment, like it got lost so I, in, the, uh, in the airport. Oh, shit. I did get it back eventually, but not in time for the event. So, uh, yeah, I just kind of had to, like, rely on, like, whatever people were lending me. And uh, they, they did have, like, a, a nice selection of 360 pads for me to choose from. But, but like, a lot of them, like like you say, the free the, the D-pad was not very good. Right. Juju Kenobi, he, he had a pretty good D-pad, and it was a third-party controller. And uh, he mentioned, actually, to me that... uh. He 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 was he found it as like some sort of secondhand store, and yeah, he was surprised actually by how good it was. So uh, he gave it to me to like try it for my practice and for my runs, and yeah, that worked pretty well. Other controllers like I have tried out the, the Mad Cat's Fight Pad, and I have also tried out this this other work controller that like replaced with like cross straight D pad, and I wasn't really too big into them. On um, both of them, the diagonals felt kind of weird because uh, I prefer like a. Uh, I prefer like a small disc-shaped D-pad like the 360 has. So really, that's perfect for me. The reason that, that, the, that the 360 pad is not good sometimes is like it kind of gets jammed, your inputs, on the, uh, on the outer edges of the, of the, the pad. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's just kind of random, like whether or not your, uh, your 360 controller has that defect. Like some of the newer controllers, they don't really have that defect as much as the old one. Interesting. So you feel the controller itself was revised in some way, either in manufacturing or it just was slightly improved to where that D-pad on some of them. This happens with GameCube controllers, too. Yeah, yeah. It's just like uh, GameCube controllers, really, I think. Yeah. Like, there, there's always these, these slight manufacturing differences between them, and it's kind of impossible to know besides just buying one for yourself and trying it out. Yeah, yeah. I'm a Melee player, so when I... uh 
go through different yeah GameCube controllers. Some of them you have to like yeah, like you said, you have to buy and be like, okay, this one sucks, this one's good, and then you have to stick with the good ones. Well, like besides just like buying the good ones, there, there's also like modification that you can make to the controller. You can like read about online that to kind of like reduce the likelihood of it jamming. Like you can kind of like sand out the that outer rim there, or, like put put like a piece of layer between like the pad and the, the internal membrane. I've heard about that actually. Because there was a fighting game player who played on a 360 pad uh, back in the day, and he was everyone's like, "Why are you using a 360 pad?" And he said that he had modified it to be better. Had you modified yeah. your 360 pad? Well, I have two 360 pads that I use actually. Like the first one, like it's just a stock controller, uh, like it worked fine for me out of the gate, so I didn't need to mod it. But like the other one, it was a wireless controller. Like the other one, that's a wire. Oh, that's a wire controller. But like this one, it's a wireless controller, and uh, it was not so great. So like I, I tried that mod out, but uh, I wasn't really too pleased with the results. It's, I'm not. I'm not that good at that kind of stuff. So I bought a, a controller shell off the internet that kind of like was already modified to kind of like replace the the stock shell with. And uh, yeah, it's worked pretty well for me. That's cool. I'm gonna have to check that out and what the difference is because you know my experiences using the 360 pad were just horrible <laughs> yeah it's by xcm they're, they're ones who makes these uh these controller mods so i had talked to you about that because i was i was super curious and like i said slightly shocked when i saw you walk up there with a 360 pad so um you mentioned when you're in japan that uh you you know you weren't really used to playing on arcade stick was is arcade stick ever been a, an input option you were interested in or not really yeah, when I when I first got a 360, like all I read online was the 360 pad sucks. You gotta get an arcade stick. So I got an arcade stick, but uh, it took a few days for uh, it to come in the mail. So during those few days, just kind of get a feel for the game I play on the 360 pad. And uh, then the arcade stick came, and I found I was having a harder time playing on the arcade stick than I was the 360 pad. So uh, I ended up selling the arcade stick to somebody on on Cave STG, and. Uh, and then a few months later, that same arcade stick from that same guy, he was selling it again on KBSTG. And I really know what became of it. Interesting. So from that point, had you decided, okay, forget arcade stick? Yeah. I don't play in an arcade, so it's not really a big deal to be able to play on an arcade stick. That's very true. Especially these days where playing shmups in arcade is becoming less and less common anyway. Yeah, I, I do kind of regret though. Like earlier this year, this big meet uh, at at Acho in Japan, and no, no one had any idea about my skills in Futari. They just followed some random shit player and kind of snuck in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of there. Like I'm just saying, hey, I'm, I'm good at this game at home, but I can't really show it to you right now. You, you get what I'm saying? Yeah, Prometheus was talking about kind of the same thing when he went to uh, Japan and stuff, and. Uh, Jamers talked about that too because Jamers is a pad player as well. Like at Stunfest and when they go to arcades and stuff, they struggle because they're not they're not stick players. So, well, well, those guys they can still clear the game on on a on a stick. Well, with me when I play Futari on stick, I can't get out of stage two. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, I'm horrible on stick, really. So the last thing I definitely want to talk to you about is your upcoming AGDQ demonstration yeah what was the motivation to submit and uh what what's kind of the history of that i guess what's the background exactly well 
I'd heard like rumors, well, or not rumors, like because I knew that this was happening, but like I'd heard that they were more interested in like showing off schmup score runs this year. And uh, yeah, and the most leading up to submissions, I was kind of like trying to organize people, like get it, submit, submit schmups, and uh, we can get like some kind of schmup block going. I'd heard like they, they'd apparently talk about it on, on that like sex change server. But uh, for some reason, I, I don't know why I'm not, I'm not in there, but nothing, nothing came of it. So, yeah, I, I just kind of figured at first out, was it going to be submitting a run since no one else was submitting a run? But uh, then like my family, like they started pushing me, hey, you got to submit this thing. It's, it's going to be huge. And like I just submitted it to get them off my back, really. <laughs> I wasn't thinking they were going like, to actually accept me, but and they accepted me. So who did you hear talking about? Uh... GDQ was more interested in, in in score runs and stuff. Like, where were you hearing that? Uh, I was hearing it on on Elixir server, I think. Yeah, because what's funny is um, that might be actually connected to me somewhat because uh, there was a another podcast that I was a guest on that was a speedrunning podcast called The Frame Savers. Yeah. And they had one of the GDQ organizers on there, Spike Vegeta. Yeah. And um, I was able to ask him... Uh, taking questions from listeners and so i was able to ask him directly hey would you be interested in having a shmup score run at gdq the up or upcoming you know agdq or whatever and his answer was basically sure maybe one they were open to maybe there being one but they weren't really that interested in having like a bunch of them Uh and so it is very likely that you are the one (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that they accepted because yeah, like I don't think they would have accepted more than one. So I was, you're, you're like holding it down. <laughs> yeah. It, it's a lot of pressure on me. I know like depending on how this goes, like that's going to kind of turn like how open they are to so many runs in the future. Yeah, I know. I didn't want to bring that pressure up, but yeah, since you said it, that's kind of how it is where this is a pretty big moment in shmups because yeah. I mean, for one, it's Futari. That's a hype game. You know, people are going to get hyped when they see Futari. And then if you clear it, you know, 1.01 with all those insane dodges, with all the crazy shit going on in the final boss, that could uh-huh. get people super excited about the genre. Yeah, definitely. This is huge for us. We don't even, like, have a farm fret about GDQ. <laughs> like, what's up with that? I don't know, my dude. Well, you do now, sort of, because this podcast will be on a farm thread, so... But yeah, you're right. Like, there hasn't been a lot of talk about it. I remember uh, back in the Electric Underground Discord, I was talking about it. This was last year, but I was talking about all the possibilities that this could could bring the shmup community in, and actually was reaching out to a bunch of people in the speedrunning community. Like I said, Spike Vegeta and um, some of the other speedrunning people... to see if they would be interested in... I was getting mixed answers. Some people were like, no. And then other people were saying, yeah, maybe. So I'm really happy that you got accepted. I think that's really cool. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't, don't really like realize how big this is. Like, I've seen way more hype for Stunfest than I have seen for this. Uh, it doesn't really like make any sense to me. Like, I've been critical about Stunfest for a long time. Like, my view on Stuntfest is, like, it's in French, firstly, so it's not really all that accessible to English players. But then, besides that, like, there, there's all this focus 
on like Japanese players who don't stream. So like there's nothing that like you can do to like follow up on those players. But like with this, yeah, GDQ, it's all about having guys who stream and kind of like giving them a platform to like advertise themselves. So like this is a huge deal for the genre having an event that that's like this. And then besides that, like GDQ is just like a it's a huge it's a much bigger event than Stunfest as well. It's, it's way bigger than Stunfest, really. And I don't know, for some reason, people just don't seem to like really be all that interested in it or hyped it. I, I don't really know why. I think it's just a situation of until it happens, people aren't really going to anticipate the possibilities. It, like I said, I've talked to people about this in the past, and I agree, I'm on the same wavelength as you of how big of an opportunity this could be for the for the shmup genre. And I think yeah. a lot of people just feel like what's going to happen is you're going to do your run. The people watching will think it's cool, but there won't be any kind of follow-up after that. I think that's kind of the thing. The thing I've heard mostly is people think that shmups are just too hardcore for the, the AGDQ crowd. And so when the people at AGDQ watch the run, they're just going to think it's cool and move on. Well, that, that kind of like seems to be the legacy of Stunfist in play. Like with Stunfist, like that's actually been something I was critical about in the past. A lot. There, there was no effort there to like kind of like uh, shield people who are streaming or like give people some sort of opportunity to like follow up on it. Like the guys who were there, they, they, they need to meet these players, have a great time, like getting their contact information, like exchanging like these James Bond secret, super secret, top secret, super plays. <laughs> but like if you were just watching on screen, you didn't get any of that. You had no opportunity to follow up. And I think maybe like they're, they're sort of thinking that GDQ is going to be like that too. They really like understand like how important, well, how how cool it is to like be able to like watch a guy on this event and to kind of like follow up with their with their Twitch or like see them streaming. Like that, that's awesome. That's something that, that the speedrunners get to like do all the time with GDQ. Guys go there, they advertise their Twitch, and they gain all these followers. That's how they grow their channel. Like that's how Aquas grew his channel. Really, that's a guy in our community. But like no no one's really done that with these Trump events. They just got to do their run. That's it. And I guess they're expecting the same thing at GDQ. And I guess that we should kind of like, uh, like educate them that it doesn't have to be that way. When I did my Stunfest run, I did advertise my Twitch channel. And I, I did gain a, gain a bunch of followers. I feel like this year's Stunfest was, I think, a pretty landmark one. And I, I we yeah. and Plasmo talked about it a lot. And I really like the direction this this year's event went because... I get the idea of the past Stunfests of exhibitioning, you know, the Japanese super players just because you never get to see them play, like you said, because they don't stream and they don't post videos. So Stunfest, like W2N, for example, that yeah. that uh, his run at Stunfest, I watch all the time because it's literally the only video of him playing. So, like, yeah. I, I think that was kind of the goal. But I also like the goal this year where... It's showing Western players too, and like uh, Kiwi and uh, Maribel and yourself. You all have streams. You all play. Have are able to be contacted. So, yeah, I think that's a really cool uh, yeah. direction. And I think it's really hard to predict, but it's definitely a big opportunity. This GDQ run, whether people want to hate or not, it is an opportunity that we've never had before. Because, like you said, the the speedrunning audience is massive. It's even yeah. at the worst time slot possible, we are going to get probably triple the viewers Stunfest got just because it's yeah. AGDQ. 
and I, and I got a pretty good good time slot as well. I, I'm kind of the lead in for stuff like Ocarina of Time and Metal Gear Solid. I've got really? a, like, yeah, I think I've got like a like a 10 a.m. time slot. Wow, before Ocarina. Yeah, or, or Metal Gear Solid. I forgot which. That's pretty big, though, because I know a lot of people were speculating, myself, I'm not going to lie, a little bit, that you might get, like, a really bad time slot, like, yeah. 3 a.m. or some shit. Yeah, that was what I was scared of, too, but, but like, back to Stunfest, like, it did kind of annoy me. Like, people were like, hey, it's just Western players. There's no hype in this. We, we already know all these guys. And, yeah, they didn't understand the potential there for do, for those players who were playing like advertise their channel and grow it and uh i don't want to like throw any too much shade on plasma but like after the event it was like, man did you see gus gus like uh shilling his channel that, that shit was pathetic you know I, I, nothing against him there but like i guess he, he just didn't get it that's kind of the point of these events you advertise your channel and you grow it that's the big opportunity that you get for these events when you get that huge audience you want to keep that audience somewhat right well, I think, too, not just your own channel with uh, AGDQ, like I said, this could be an exposure for literally the entire genre, where a lot of people, because I have friends who are speedrunners and stuff, a lot of people in the speedrunning community legitimately do not know what shmups are. Like, if you ask them, do you know what a shmup is? I have many speedrunning friends who do not know what a shmup is. They're like, what? What's that? And so your your run could be huge for the entire genre, not just your own channel, too. That's yeah. That's definitely something to... Yeah, definitely. Like, I, I remember the, the, how Stunfest started out. Like, yeah, Prometheus, like, the goal initially was to, like, show shmups to an audience that hadn't really seen them before and, like, get them interested in playing it. That, that was kind of the end goal as far as I understood it. Like, what it, it started out just, like, kind of him, like, piggybacking on this uh, on this bigger event. Like, he just kind of had, like, shmups as, like, a side thing. And, uh, yeah, he, he found out he actually got a pretty good audience, so he figured that he was going to, like, start up Stunfest. Well, not, like, start up Stunfest, but, like, he get, like, kind of formalized as a part of Stunfest. And, uh, yeah, the first stun, big Stunfest event with Japanese players, like, it happened back in, like, 2013. I guess he kind of, like, used some of his connections there to build it. And I was really optimistic about it. I thought this was going to be huge for a genre, that, like, people were going to be exposed to the genre for, for the first time. And, uh, yeah, for some reason, it didn't really turn out that way like it's like you said it's got us some really good runs for these japanese players but nothing i haven't like really seen anyone who's like man i started playing shmups uh, the first time i saw shmups was 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 at stunfest and i've been hooked ever since i don't like seeing anyone like that yeah it sounds like just from my own you know experience at talking to new people the biggest uh the biggest exposure people have to shmups are jamer's channel toho and um, even videos, like you said, like World's Hardest Boss, YouTube videos is mostly how people are finding shmubs. I yeah. YouTube and streaming, like, those are fairly what I'm all about there. Those are the best ways we have there of growing the genre. Like, I actually kind of made a conscious effort to, like, not use Twitter so much or, like, not use Discord too much because I want the place where people talk to me to be on Twitch during my streams. I want that to kind of, like, become the, the hub for uh the hub for like the community. I want to like build a community around Twitch. Those, those places are like all about the game. You know, I've I've, I've had some issues with those text-based pings in the past. Like there's been some drama and uh, I kind of like to distance myself from that. I just sure. kind of like put the spotlight just on the games. Well, hopefully my hope is that 
So you you do your run at AGDQ, it goes really well. AGDQ does their, you know, they do their videos, their highlights, and your run is included in there somehow, and tons more people from the speedrunning community or just from the casual gaming community see Futari and say, hey, I want to play this. This looks really cool. And yeah. so it, it's a huge opportunity to bring new people in, I feel. Yeah, no doubt. But, like, I also feel like, besides people just, like, not not really, like, being uh, aware of the games, like, the people that are, like, they just think, like, games are beyond you. Like, they just don't have them in the, like, dodge these crazy patterns. So, yeah, something I've been wanting to do, kind of inspired by Juju Kenobi, what he's doing, is, like, get some videos up, kind of breaking down the stress that I'm doing. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, that would be really cool. I think that those could be kind of an important part in, like, getting people to stick around. Because they'll kind of see that there's a method to all this madness. I think that'd be really cool, especially for Futari. People love that game, and yeah, obviously your knowledge of the game is amazing, so I'd be really excited if you did that. Yeah, that's what I've been meaning to do. I just kind of, I guess I just need to find the right video editing software. I don't right. really know like, like how, how you're supposed to do it. had one more question about AGDQ, which is do you have any idea of who would be there with you as far as like the commentary couch? Do you have anyone in mind to be there to do commentary as you do the run? Yeah, I got Aquas and then there was this other guy called Potashu who contacted me and be part of the couch. Nice. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure you had someone because I think that was another aspect of the of the run that would be really important. Yeah, and I was also like making like maybe we kind of like run some kind of G weekly episode, like some like a post game show or something going. That'd well, be cool. Yeah, yeah, and I'd definitely be following up afterward as well, kind of going over your run and everything. If you wanted to do that, yeah, that'd be cool. We could even do something on Twitch with going through the the running stuff on Twitch if you wanted. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, cool. Well, any other things you want to talk about before we close the episode? Oh, yeah. Well, about that, uh, like how, how speedrunners will react. Yeah. I want to talk about that a little bit because, like, a lot of people, I don't think, like, they realize I'm also, like, one of the top players in this other game called Distance. It's kind of a platform racing game hybrid. And I've, I've got, like, 600 hours in that. Yeah, I'm, pr I'm pretty good at it, and I'm pretty, like, well integrated into that communion. I've done a lot to, like, kind of shill schmups to that audience, and there, there, there are actually, it seems, like, a, a fair amount of people in there who are aware of schmups and, like, even play them sometimes. But what I see a lot, for some reason, a lot of these people just, like, they're, like, they're kind of hesitant about going all in bullet hell schmups. 
The reason for that that I, I, I see most commonly, firstly, is most obvious. They think it's just beyond them. They, right. they see like these YouTube videos, these guys doing these crazy dodges, and they think, man, there's no way I can ever do this. And uh, yeah, another guy I was talking to like a few days ago, like he was going on, man, man, speed running and score running, and they're, they're totally different things. Like you go at one that's that's like auto scrolling, and another that's like not auto scrolling. It's it's a different skill set in play. So yeah, I've heard that as well. Yeah, it seems like there's just kind of all these myths surrounding shmups. That's really a huge barrier besides people just like not not really being aware of the genre. So yeah, I think that getting some sort of a YouTube videos, really YouTube videos, like instructional YouTube videos, not not, but not just that, also like historical YouTube videos, like you know, like there's so many salt videos where you kind of like talk about the history of these games, like what goes into practicing them. Those sorts of things, I think, could be a, a big help getting people like you know feel more comfortable with playing these games and not and like getting past those mental blocks that they might have. That's really funny you mentioned that because. I've been thinking about that exact same thing for a really long time. And in a few weeks from now, I'm going to be attempting to do that with Donanpachi, doing like a uh, a shmup lore type thing with Donanpachi where I go through. It's hard to go through the history completely, but to kind of like, like you said, showcase the game at different levels and bring that information to the, the casual audience, basically. Yeah, I think that it'd be interesting to see how that works out to see if if it like catches on with people or not. Yeah, well, well, the big issue with Don Pachi wouldn't it be like there, there's that, there's uh, the whole thing with secret replay that bullshit. Yeah, so what I'd be focusing on is stuff on the video index, all replays that are available, uh-huh. and there are as of late there have been a lot of really really good Don Pachi replays that have been uploaded from the Japanese players. And then Jamers just got his giant CL score, so there's a lot of material there to work with. So I think I'd I'd more focus on rather than like the world record specifically, focusing more on like how the game is played, how, what high level gameplay looks like versus you know like beginning and just talking about the game in depth in that way. Uh huh. Yeah, because I don't have, obviously, I don't have any knowledge of the the scoring glitch. I'll talk about the scoring glitch, but I don't have any videos of it, obviously. So just kind of giving an overall overview of the game. You got, you can contact WTN, right? Like the history of techniques in the game, right? Right, yeah. Talk about WTN, definitely show his Stunfest run, clips from his Stunfest runs and stuff. Yeah. And like, maybe like you can talk about his scoring competition with like Yakisoba on DX. Back in like 2001, 2002, talk about like ZBL, NAL, that guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Talk about that, that, that two, two channel, that the old two channel thing, how that, how they used to like have a community there at Donald Pachi Fock. Have you seen that? No, I haven't. Back in like the 90s, like the top player for the B type ship, Patty, he ran this website called the Donald Pachi Fack, where like he would just kind of compile all the best. Post on, on the two channel board where at the time, like you had all these amazing players like WTN posting there that you just kind of like stopped later on. But like at the time in the 90s, they're giving all this great information and, and had he compiled it onto like this one web page. Is it still yeah, open? Is it still around? The archive version of it is still up, but even though like GeoCities, that, that's what it was hosting on like GeoCities, it got taken down, but like you can still browse it on archive.org if you want. Nice. You should you should uh, link me that actually. 
Yeah. So I could check it out because that'd be really useful. Yeah, it is. You, you are working from like a disadvantage. You don't really have any videos of these guys. Yeah. But like, I think what you could do instead is like focus more on the techniques. Exactly. Like, yeah. And you can recreate them in main even if you want. Right. That and I have all these different uh, replays and stuff of people using different techniques. And exactly. That was kind of my thinking. For instance, like breaking down different chain routes and commenting on like, oh, what he's doing here, how he's chaining this here, so, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, I don't know how good your Japanese is, but like, uh, I'm hoping like maybe you could probably like be a huge help, I think, talking to these guys. Right, exactly. Yeah, that'd be really cool. Well, awesome, man. It's been great talking to you. Yeah, very great being here. When is your GDQ run? Just to remind everyone AGDQ 2020 schedule Tari okay so yeah and I'm, I'm right before Metal Gear Solid and uh what's before you Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Arcade oh that would be good too okay yeah, so that's kind of a it seems like they actually kind of have a, a bit of an arcade style block going here like they've also got Contra Cybernator Super Monkey Ball all these old arcade games They've got coming before me, so yeah, kind of. I can kind of see like there how they might have uh, mapped this schedule out. Like they were thinking, okay, we got an arcade block here. Let's cap it off with Atari, and then let's yeah. take away the Metal Gear and Ocarina of Time. Yeah, that's awesome. I think that's a good way of doing it. And then, uh, so what date is that? What is the date of your run? January eighth. Okay, so January eighth at ten a.m. or no, eight a.m. Eastern time. Yeah. Awesome. I got to put that down on my schedule. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I got confused here a little bit. So the time zones. Yeah, it tells me right now that it's uh, 11, 12 a.m. So the, the West Coast, that's like three hours. That's like three hours behind, right? Not three hours ahead. Yes. So it's, it's actually not, not at like 3 a.m., but like 2, 2 p.m., right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I made a mistake there. It's, it's 2 p.m. So, yeah, that, that's. I don't like having to wake up so early. Okay, so what time is it Eastern time? Yeah, 2 p.m. Eastern time. Okay. So there you go. Yeah, January 8th, 2 p.m. Eastern time. Nice. Yeah, 2.12, actually. Yeah, and I think it'd be cool. I'm definitely going to be tuning in, and I hope a lot of schmuck players do tune in and like invade the chat and maybe throw some donations in there. Be like, hey, schmucks are badass. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that'd be awesome. Right. Well, awesome, everyone. Definitely check it out. You don't want to miss it. Thanks for coming on, man. And hopefully yeah. after you're done, we can do a follow-up interview kind of going over the, the run and all that. So, yeah, it's awesome being here. While this slammin' music plays, I'd like to shout out members of the Shmup Illuminati. That's my $5 tier Patreon. Dingo, Kiwi, Jake Ryan, K, Ryan Himmelheba, and Young Money Sui. Thanks for supporting. 
piece. Gus also wanted me to mention that another shmup player, Turksa, will be speedrunning Eskatoes at ESA this summer. ESA is another speedrunning event. Check it out.